You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Thank you for joining us for the March 9th, 2023 Thursday reading of the Grand Junction Daily Sentinel. My name is Ralph Towers. Today we will be reading the following main articles. Action from District 51 School Board, three members acts, Marillac Health Clinic at Grand Junction High School, written by Nathan Deal. Meeting on local school closures is tonight, written by Nathan Deal. New fire engine comes with crash limiting technology, written by Sam Klomhaus. Candidate Q&A for April 4th. 2023 municipal elections, written by the Sentinel staff, and following up with miscellaneous articles. Action from District 51 School Board, three members, acts, Marillac Health Clinic at Grand Junction High School, by Nathan Deal, nathan.deal at gjsentinel.com. As things stand, the new Grand Junction High School will not include a school-based health center funded by and operated by Marillac Health. The Mesa County Valley School District 51 Board of Education held a meeting on Tuesday night at R5 High School, where it ended the evening with a 3-2 vote to reject the inclusion of the clinic in the school. Board President Andrea Hates, Vice President Will Jones, and Treasurer and Secretary Angela Lima voted to reject the clinic. Board members Doug Levinson and Carrie Schultz voted to include the clinic. Both Hates and Jones cited a lawsuit filed against Marillac Health as one of the core reasons for their decision. They both expressed disappointment that they found out about the lawsuit not from a health care provider, but from an anonymous email. Both said that Marillac Health not informing the board of the lawsuit showed a lack of transparency that made it hard for the board to build trust with them. Hates read a District 51 statement that she said was approved by its attorney. On Wednesday, February 22, 2023, an anonymous email was sent to District 51 and the board via the feedback form from the district website. The email stated that a lawsuit had been filed in Mesa County and cited the allegations and the case number. The complainant alleges fraudulent misuse of school-based health center grant money for the clinic housed in Central High School. This is all that is presently known by District 51 and our legal team is monitoring this closely. Hates also expressed disappointment that alternatives to the school-based health center that she and Jones suggested were really kind of dismissed by Marillac Health. The happy medium that I spent a lot of time in mental brain damage trying to figure out what would work was to find a possibility where the clinic could be somewhere near the school, Hate said. I thought that was a happy medium because it would still be way too close for some parents, but would be close enough for accessibility to our other students that need access to it. It's even more accessible because it can be open in the summertime and other hours versus just only when the school is open. 
I would still be open to that conversation. I just feel there's enough concern in our community about it being right in the middle of our school, so looking for an alternative that could be close by was the happy medium to listening to both sides of the community. Jones echoed Haight's statements that the board could later approve an alternate plan for a clinic. I'm not saying no because I don't believe it should be there or doesn't need to be there, Jones said. Everything within our school buildings has to be there within reason, and it's good for our kids and good for the district. There's a lot of things going around about we're not in this business, we're not in this business, we're not in the healthcare business, but technically, if you want to speak about it, we're all in the business, we're all in the business somehow. We're parents, we're counselors, we're doctors, we're mechanics, we're plumbers, whatever. Merillac Health Clinic was included in the new school's nearly $145 million construction budget as an add-on alternative that would not increase the budget if approved. However, District 51 Chief Operating Officer Clint Garcia told the board in past meetings that should the board wait past the start of this month and then approve a clinic later in the construction process or after the school opens, it would raise the price of the project. The infrastructure will be in place to do whatever we need to do in the space, Garcia told the board at its January 13th meeting. I will add, though, that there's obviously a cost to renovating a space, so whatever that it is, health clinic or classroom or whatever, there's a cost associated with that. The vote followed a couple of months of debate between board members and community members about whether a school-based health clinic should be included in the new Grand Junction High School, which is scheduled to open in the fall of 2024. Those against the idea of such a clinic in Grand Junction High School said that the 2021 bond measure, which many of them voted to approve, did not specify that an independent health clinic would be part of the new school. Some board members, including Hates, have also expressed that they were unaware that such a clinic had been included in the project plans when they approved start of construction. Critics of the school-based health center often cited their discomfort with such a clinic's potentially eroding parents' ability to consent to services their children receive. Some expressed concern that the district may be wandering into potential future legal issues should state laws regarding health care for minors change. Others expressed concern that students would be receiving contraception or transgender health care. Parental consent is required for minors in Colorado for most services. Minors can access all reproductive services without parental consent, however, but services like abortion, which Merillac Health does not provide, require parental notification. Minors who are 12 years or older can access mental health care services without parental consent. Those in favor of the clinic have often cited Merillac Health's school-based health center at Central High School, known as the Warrior, Wellcare, known as the Warrior Wellness Center. The center opened in the fall of 2020 and provides mental, physical, and dental health services for students. Some Central students have attended school board meetings to talk about their experiences with the Warrior Wellness Center during audience comments and vouch for a similar clinic in the new Grand Junction High School. 
Levinson and Schultz remained steadfast in their support for a clinic in Grand Junction High School, with both making the case for the clinic before the board ultimately rejected it. For me, this is not a difficult decision, Levinson said. For me, I focus on what's best for the kids, and this, to me, is a no-brainer. Meeting on school closures is tonight. By Nathan Deal. Nathan.deal at gjsentinel.com. The Mesa County Valley School District 51 Board of Education is holding a special meeting tonight at 7.30 p.m. at R5 High School to further discuss and potentially take action on school closures and consolidations. The board is weighing potential closure of East Middle School, whether to move forward with Orchard Avenue and Lincoln Orchard Mesa as the district's elementary and consolidation candidates, or to form a committee to further evaluate options and how to handle a potential grade reconfiguration for Fruitis schools. Shannon Bingham, the district's demographer and president of Western Demographics Incorporated, presented a slideshow to the school board at Tuesday's meeting delving into potential impacts of reconfiguring Fruitis grade system to match the rest of the districts. I went out to the three schools in Fruta and asked them relatively difficult questions regarding the feasibility of grade reconfiguration, Bingham said. These slides represent the results of our conversations with the administrations of the three buildings, Fruta Middle School, Fruta 8-9, and Fruta Monument High School, along with some of the details associated with what would be necessary to achieve reconfiguration. Bingham identified Fruta Middle School as being one of the schools in the valley most impacted by the decreased enrollment, having lost its academic intervention program, anticipating the loss of at least four additional teachers, as well as probationary staff, anticipating the need for teachers to teach multiple content areas, and anticipating the need for teachers to teach multiple grade levels. If Fruitis schools reconfigure to the rest of the district's model, Bingham believes it would remediate all of those concerns, establish a robust exploratory program and music program, and allow students to learn in a better facility. Fruta 8-9 school has seen limited impacts from decreased enrollment and would not experience many significant changes, good or bad, from Fruta schools moving into 6th, 7th, and 8th grade model for middle school students, according to Bingham's presentation. Should the reconfiguration take place, Bingham provided two scenarios for Fruta Monument High School. In the first scenario, the district would move either Wingate Elementary School or Appleton Elementary School from Fruta's enrollment area to Grand Junction High Schools, giving Fruta a maximum additional enrollment of 225 for the near future, and with Fruta serving as the highest attended school in Mesa County. Issues from that could be remediated by an efficient master schedule as the school moves to a collegiate teaching model, a model in which teachers wouldn't have their homerooms but instead move between rooms to teach different classes throughout the day. In this scenario, 13 existing teachers would be displaced from their homerooms and moved to a room rotation model, and nine new teachers would also work in that model, giving the school 22 educators.
In the second scenario, the district would reconfigure Fruta's grade system without moving Wingate or Appleton out of the school's enrollment area. If the district were to go this route, the district would seek to pass a bond funding for the addition of 8 to 10 classrooms at the high school, as well as projects to address hallway functionality, south end security, and other facility needs. Bingham noted it in the initial years of a phase-out of Wingate or another school area would be difficult for Fruta Monument High School in the initial years of the change because of the influx of students and the shift to the collegiate teaching model. Colleen Caneda, a principal at Dynamic Program Management, the owner's representative for the new Grand Junction High School project, gave the board an update on the school's construction. Through the end of January, $132.6 million of the $144.5 million budget has been committed and $31 million has been expended, with $20.4 million expended locally. Construction is roughly 30% complete. Among the recently completed tasks are completing a furniture design package and securing a contract with an abatement contract with an abatement contractor for work this summer. Work on structural steel, concrete slab and metal decking, roofing, concrete masonry walls, interior and exterior wall framing, and mechanical, electrical, and plumbing rough-ins are ongoing. Canada said that the project will soon look to procure a furniture vendor to begin moving some school materials and furniture into the building. There will also be a topping out ceremony soon where students will sign the final steel beam to be placed on the school's new foundation, although a date for this ceremony has not yet been determined. New Fire Engine Comes with Crash Limiting Technology by Sam Clumhouse, sam.clumhouse at gjsentinel.com. Grand Junction's newest fire engine is equipped with technology the department says could limit collisions with drivers by up to 90%. Firefighters sometimes have issues with drivers not slowing down and or moving over, and the new technology, called Safety Cloud, is designed to make drivers more aware when fire trucks are in the vicinity. That is just about the most dangerous thing firefighters do on a daily basis, Grand Junction Fire Department spokesperson Dirk Klingman said. Not only do they have to navigate traffic, but interact with traffic that might not be making the best decisions. Safety Cloud was developed by Chicago-based Haas Alert. The new engine, fire engine number 8, is the first fire truck in Grand Junction to have the Safety Cloud technology. Engine 8 was bespoke built for the city of Grand Junction by Wisconsin-based Pierce Manufacturing. Safety Cloud works by sending a signal to navigation apps and cars equipped with navigation alerting drivers that a fire truck is in the vicinity. This is going to be an incredible safety feature for us, Klingman said. Safety Cloud works with Dodge Ram, Jeep, Chrysler, and Alfa Romeo models. Other notable safety features on the engine include storage for the firefighters' bunker gear at the back of the truck instead of in the cab to make sure there is a buffer between the cab of the truck and outside, lessening firefighters' exposure to carcinogens. The engine is set to be put into service at the newly opened fire station number 8.
Before accepting delivery of the truck, Grand Junction Fire Department and fleet workers do a multiple-point check to make sure the truck is working properly, Klingman said. Really, it's from one end to the other, he said, making sure all of the equipment is in place, he added. A photo by Scott Crabtree shows Grand Junction Fire Department's Dirk Klingman examining the newest fire engine for the Grand Junction Fire Department Station Number 8. Candidate Q&A for the 2023 municipal election by the Sentinel staff. With the Grand Junction City Council election coming on April 4th, the Daily Sentinel sent questionnaires to the candidates running in opposed races. The candidates this year's election are in District A, Cody Kennedy, Jamie Porta, and Sandra Weckerly running to serve a two-year term in the seat recently held by Rick Taggart, District B, Michael Duell, Greg Hates, and Jason Nguyen are running to replace Phil Pay. At large, Scott Bilfus and Diane Schwenke are running to replace Chuck McDaniel. District C, incumbent Anna Stout, is running unopposed. Candidates were asked to give short, concise answers to six different questions that currently have an impact on the city or will in the future. Candidate Jason Nguyen Why would you be a good fit on City Council and what would you say is a primary issue for you? I am a systems and long-term thinker and recognize that many of the issues our city faces are multifaceted and will require nuanced solutions with an eye toward the future. The nexus between affordability and mobility is a core interest. I think addressing them synergistically leads to better outcomes. Given the Recreation Center issue on the ballot, how should the city manage its current recreation amenities and what amenities need to be added? If the Rec Center measure fails, do you support putting it back on a future ballot? I think the city should manage its amenities under the assumption that the Recreation Center does not pass. If the if the Recreation Center fails, I don't think putting it on the ballot is in the current form would make sense. However, if, with the community input, an alternative arose, I would support that. What was one decision the City Council has made recently that you particularly agreed with or disagreed with, and why? The decision to support the CDOT widening of I-70B from Rood to Second was a mistake for the long-term character of the downtown. As currently configured, it presents a massive barrier to connectivity. Adding one lane of traffic each direction will exacerbate the problem for decades and wasn't supported by the data. What do you view as the city's biggest need regarding housing and how should the city go about addressing that? The biggest need is ensuring adequate supply at price points that our working families can afford. To address this, I think an all-of-the-above approach is warranted. Incentives for infill, ADUs, accessory dwelling units, and affordable housing, as well as ensuring zoning isn't artificially constraining supply for no public benefit. Is there one area of the city that needs more resources? Which is it? Housing is a foundational issue for our community to address and one that negatively impacts many others.
the failure to pass short-term rental and lodging taxes delivered a blow to funding to address this area, but other options likely exist and should be explored. The process of getting marijuana applications finalized has been long and not without controversy. As a candidate, we'd like to hear what you think of how that process has been handled and if you think there is a way it could have been done differently or more efficiently. While I understand the intent around the license cap and subsequent lottery that would be required to ensure fairness, I wonder if it was a solution for a problem that didn't exist. Many communities around the Western Slope have legalized recreational sales and have not been overrun with pot shops. Candidate Greg Hates Question Why would you be a good fit on City Council and what would you say is a primary issue for you? Drawing from my experience as a business owner, service on a statewide board of directors, and involvement with Mesa County Planning Commission, I am uniquely qualified for a role on City Council. I am committed to addressing the issue of public safety, which is a top priority for me. Question. Given the recreation center issue on the ballot, how should the city manage its current recreation amenities and what amenities need to be added? If the rec center measure fails, do you support putting it back on a future ballot? It is crucial for the city to maintain and manage its current assets, including potential additions such as a recreational center. It is important to consult the voters and hear their opinions. It is noteworthy that this ballot question has been asked several times before. Question. What was one decision the Council has made recently that you particularly agreed with or disagreed with, and why? I opposed the City's plan to fund affordable housing through a limited group of short-term rental owners. This approach was short-sighted, lacked a viable backup plan, and unfairly targeted a small number of individuals. Additionally, the city's high development fees have an overall impact on the price of housing. Question. What do you view as the city's biggest need regarding housing, and how should the city go about addressing that? I think the city should stay out of the housing business. The city could look at reducing impact fees to developers and make it more efficient to develop in the city. The Council's new ADU, Accessory Dwelling Units, Coding and Zoning rules, are a good start. Despite paying taxes and being promised basic amenities, Orchard Mesa has been overlooked for the past 20 years, while downtown Grand Junction receives significant attention. Orchard Mesa is at risk of losing its pool and deserves equitable access to the same amenities as downtown Grand Junction. Question. The process of getting marijuana applications finalized has been long and not without controversy. As a candidate, we'd like to hear what you think of that process and how it has been handled, and do you think there is a way it could have been done differently or more efficiently? City Council should have prioritized the process for applicant selection and a consensus on the approach should have been reached earlier. It should have been a simple process of establishing requirements for all applicants and then conducting a lottery. We didn't need to reinvent the wheel. Two years was unacceptable. Question. 
If there is one area of the city that needs more resources, which is it? Mr. Hates did not provide an answer to this question. Candidate Greg Hates is 48 years old. He is a chiropractor who has lived in Grand Junction most of his life. His favorite thing about living in Grand Junction is the size and Western Colorado way of life. Candidate Michael Duell. Question. Why would you be a good fit on City Council and what would you say is a primary issue for you? I would be a calm voice, not too left or too far right. I have lived here for nearly 20 years and I feel I have the experience to be a mediator. We need more affordable housing, like when I moved here. We need not only financially established retirees, but young families to find it affordable to raise their families in Grand Junction. Question. Given the Recreation Center issue on the ballot, how should the city manage its current recreation amenities and what amenities need to be added? If the Rec Center measure fails, do you support putting it back on the ballot in the future? I feel good about the Orchard Mesa pool refurbishment. If the ballot fails again, maybe an outdoor pool without the high maintenance and staffing that exercise equipment and basketball courts require. Maybe another outdoor pool somewhere later. If the measure fails, it will be the third time it has been rejected by the voters. Scale back the project. Question. What was one decision the council has made recently that you particularly agreed with or disagreed with and why? I like that we didn't fill in the Orchard Mesa pool with dirt. It has a great location. I like the overall outdoor direction that the city has taken. Question. What do you view as the city's biggest need regarding housing and how should the city go about addressing that? Housing is our greatest need and the city has been taking the correct measures to rectify. Question. If there is one area of the city that needs no more resources, which is it? A new park off Patterson Matchett Park would be great, especially with the 29 road interchange. Question. The process of getting the marijuana applications finalized has long has been long and not without controversy. As a candidate, we'd like to hear what you think of how that process has been handled and do you think there is a way it could have been done differently and more efficiently? Definitely kept running into obstacles 2020 hindsight. Michael Doyle has lived in Grand Junction since 2004 and believes adequate housing is the most important issue the City Council should tackle. On the Arts, Council Candidates Discuss Culture in the Community by Ryan Biller. Ryan.Biller at gjsentinel.com City Council candidates explained their positions on matters of the arts in the community on Tuesday night at a forum hosted by the Grand Valley Creative Alliance. The Arts and Culture Forum was held at the Arts Center of Western Colorado and moderated by Mesa County Public Library's Director Michelle Boisvenu-Fox. 
The forum featured District A candidates Cody Kennedy, James Porta, Sandra Weckerly, District B candidate Greg Hates, and Jason Nguyen, and at-large candidates Scott Bilefuss and Diane Schwenke. Mayor Anna Stout, who was running unopposed, and District B candidate Michael Dwell were not present. The moderator asked candidates how they'd advocate on behalf of the arts. I don't really know, Welfus said. I would, it would take some thought, but I think we should try to make Grand Junction the artistic hub of western Colorado. Schwenke said that the arts ought to be used to bolster tourism and benefit the economy, and Nguyen said he doesn't think such a critical part of the community should be at the whims of the council. When asked about how funds ought to be allocated for the arts, Nguyen said that the city should base the percentage of money put toward the arts and culture on other communities with comparable sizes. Kennedy echoed this idea, and Schwenke said that ultimately we must justify how we spend taxpayer dollars. The city of Grand Junction has a commission on arts and culture which often funds things like public murals, sculptures, and so forth. The Commission on Arts and Culture is a great thing, but I think it could do a bit more on behalf of artists, Weckerly said. I'd like to see more public pieces commissioned. I do think that the arts should be funded better, and I think the City Council should play a role in that. Weckerly expressed her adoration for the recent art installation of the Bighorn Sheep Sculpture in the Redlands Roundabout and said that we need more of that in our city. Regarding the way in which arts should be expanded in Grand Junction, Kennedy suggested a partnership with CMU, while Porta explained that art is our canary in the coal mine. They're an indicator of economic health and vitality. We have to help it grow in our community. I also think that we should prioritize funding projects from artists who have had past success and artists from underrepresented groups, Porta said. Balfus said that art can help heal Grand Junction. We've had a lot of issues here, Balfus said. We have a lot of stress in this community. We've got severe mental health issues, suicide, discrimination, political polarization, and other things. I really think the arts can help heal that. Schwenke admitted she went into panic mode at the beginning of the forum because I don't have a talent for the arts. I can make a stick figure look terrible. Schwenke said she supports the arts, but not as an artist herself, but as an observer. Symphonies, museums, and recording studios, things like that, really establish a sense of place. It's what we call placemaking. It's very important to give any city a specific feel, Schwenke said. Looking at arts as an economic driver, most candidates agreed the theater, music, murals, sculptures, and other forms of art can help bring tourism to the Grand Valley. Investing in arts is definitely beneficial to the community, but it can also help put our city on the map for tourists, Hates said. A photo by Scott Crabtree with the Daily Sentinel at the Mesa County Library shows director Michelle Boivenue Fox explaining the procedure for candidates to comment during the Grand Junction City Council Arts and Culture Forum at the Arts Center of Western Colorado on Tuesday. League Grants Benefit Women and Children by Nathan Deal 
nathan.deal at gjsentinel.com. When Rita Sanders moved to the Grand Valley last year with her husband and children, she knew she wanted to hit the ground running in becoming involved in her new community. With one of her kids attending Colorado Mesa University and another attending Central High School, she knows her kids are becoming more independent, so she saw the move to Grand Junction as an opportunity to place her priorities in the community around her instead of constantly focusing on parenting. Sanders, who also serves as the Director of Communications for Grand Valley Power, discovered there was a Grand Junction Chamber chapter of the Junior Service League, or JSL, a woman-only organization that seeks to make a difference through volunteering and fundraising. I had known about them because back in Washington my friend was a member of the Junior Service League, Sanders said. When I came out here I had been to Rotary meetings and Lions Club meetings and different civic organizations through my job back in Washington, and the JSL seemed like the best fit for me because it's about women who want to give back to the community, volunteering and raising funds for nonprofits in the community that are mostly focused on women and children. That's what I'm interested in, and that's where I want to put my time and effort, so I looked up the JSL and joined. In early January, the JSL, which Sanders said has surged to about 40 members in the past few months, announced that it had raised $62,000 to distribute as grants to 13 Mesa County nonprofit organizations. The beneficiaries included Caris, a nonprofit that provides services to homeless, unaccompanied youth. Golden Girls, a program that helps women over 50 find housing and services. Rocky Mountain Wings, a detachment of the National Commemorative Air Force dedicated to honoring American military aviation. Harmony Acres Equestrian Center, where people and animals come together for the purpose of healing. Family Health West. Hope of the Grand Valley, which provides support to parents and their children who are not receiving housing assistance or welfare. Discover Ability, which helps people with disabilities boost their confidence and lifestyle. The United Way. Clifton Christian Church Food Bank. Community Food Bank. Riverside Educational Center, which provides after-school tutoring in the county. Reverend Rhythms, which provides opportunities for people with low income to participate in dance activities. Merillac Health. The JSL's top fundraising event each year is Viva El Vino. The 30th Viva El Vino will take place from 6 to 9 p.m. on April 29th at the Wine Country Inn in Palisade. General admission is $100. Tickets may be purchased online at jslgj.com. Editorial Nip this bug in the bud. Like one of the biblical plagues of Egypt, Mesa County is facing a potential swarm of insects that could devastate our local crops, lawns, and gardens. Luckily, we have the means to stop it if the community pulls together. 
The county is responding to an infestation of Japanese beetles discovered by the Colorado Department of Agriculture just last year in the Appleton area of Grand Junction, a region stretching roughly from Canyon View Park to Bookcliff Country Club, with the epicenter being subdivisions near 26 Road, according to reporting by the Daily Sentinel's Dennis Webb. County commissioners on Tuesday passed an ordinance declaring the insect to be a public nuisance and directing county staff to coordinate with industry to take emergency action to work on controlling and eradicating it. The beetle eats more than 300 species of plants, including important local agricultural products like grapes, peaches, and sweet corn. If the beetle outbreak goes unchecked, it could potentially harm local growers and reduce crop yields by as much as 10%. It could also add consistently it could also add considerably to growers' costs for managing the pest, and if they are subject to quarantine rules, that would require inspection and treatment measures to export things such as peaches to other areas. This is a direct threat to our local agrotourism as well. Fortunately, the state caught the new infestation early, and our county commissioners moved swiftly to address the problem. They deserve a lot of credit for being on the ball on this one. It is important because when we catch this problem early enough, there is still time to er eradicate it. There is local precedent for dealing with these bugs. When the Japanese beetle was discovered in Palisade in 2002, an aggressive effort was made to eradicate it, resulting in the area being free of beetles by 2009. We know this works, but we need private property owners' help to protect the valley's agriculture industry. The county is seeking permission from some 1,200 property owners in the area where the beetles are found to treat their lawns with a pesticide at county expense to kill the beetle grubs in the turf. Otherwise, the county is asking property owners there to completely dry out their lawns between May and August to kill the grubs. The pesticide is very effective on the beetles, but it is also less toxic than dish soap. We understand that private property owners may be wary of the government knocking on their door wanting to treat their lawns. The county is trying to strike a balance between being aggressive in fighting this pest and respecting property owners. We think that that is the right approach. For property owners in the area, though, we ask them to think of the ranchers, farmers, farm workers, and their neighbors who will be impacted if this pest isn't brought under control. We'd also suggest that a pest control district like the one that covers Palisade should be looked into in the long term. With this invasive species common on the Front Range, we expect this problem to arise again in the future. For now, we're thankful to our local leaders have responded with urgency and seem capable of nipping this bug problem in the bud. Letters Letter writer condemns anything Democrats do. David Kersley's letters to the editor condemn anything the Democrats do as fiscally irresponsible and destructive to our country as well as the poor people we should be helping. My political beliefs are based on Ayn Rand's famous books, Atlas Shrugged and The Fountainhead. Therefore, I am a moderate Republican willing to give and take with moderate Democrats. I highly respect the late Colin Powell, who, as a Republican, served presidents in both parties. 
Mr. Kersley and I do, however, see eye to eye when it comes to the good work of local charitable organizations like the Salvation Army. I encourage citizens of all political stripes to give what they can to this great organization. John Lorenzen, Grand Junction Teachers Treated Poorly in School Closure Discussion Hearing about the swift decisions on pending closure of specific schools, I could write this trying to protect individual schools. Instead, I am addressing the disrespectful treatment of the teachers in those schools. When I completed a brief survey about upcoming possibilities to address given data trends and considering the question about combining schools, I answered in a somewhat affirmative manner. The answer was based completely on the idea that combining schools meant exactly that, combining the entirety of two schools as far as was feasible into a single unit. Instead, we have learned that it means taking the student population and splitting it into parts with new boundary lines and tossing the staff to the wind. Why should these competent staff members who have supported these students not be going with them where possible to support them in their new environment? Why should the teachers who have devoted years to these schools and their families be asked to reapply as if they are first-year teachers? I am not personally invested in any of the currently targeted schools, but after hearing how teachers were informed and how it impacts them, I believe every teacher in this district should be justified in having lost a feeling of safety and belonging, and now hold some increment of fear and distrust about what this could mean to their professional future. Deborah B. Hoffman, Grand Junction Jamie Aporta would be a voice for the working people. I am, I am writing to give my wholehearted support and endorsement to Jamie Porta for City Council. I got to know Jamie during my own campaign and say she is an intelligent, hard-working woman who is knowledgeable about our community and is passionate about making our community stronger. She is the only genuinely blue-collar candidate. She is the type of woman who can work with her hands at the job site during the day and work with a crowd at a dinner party at night. The city council could genuinely use a blue-collar representative for the working people of our city, which is most of the population. And I say that as a professional and a businessman. There are a lot of representatives and council members for professionals and business leaders. We should use some for the working people as well. Jamie is the type of person who is willing to admit when she doesn't know something and is willing to learn and find an answer. That type of humility is a strength, but it is all too rare in politicians today. Jamie has been a union leader, so she knows how to work on policy, budget, and how to negotiate to get stuff done. She has also put work in on the One Riverfront Advisory Board, serving our community as a volunteer. From talking to Jamie, although she is a union leader, I believe she understands the importance of business and that business businesses create jobs for working people. She doesn't want to kill the golden goose. She just wants to make sure people are treated fairly. As a business owner and community member, I think that is a balanced approach that we need. I hope you will join me in supporting and voting for Jamie Porta. Damon Davis, Grand Junction. Now is 
the time to add a community rec center. My family and I have been in Grand Junction for 19 years. We have found so much to love here, the weather, the beauty of our valley, and the opportunity for outdoor recreation. There has also been so much exciting growth in the last few years, focusing on education and public safety, and now we have and now we can add a community recreation center to the things that we can be proud of. On April 4th, the city residents can vote to bring a CRC to Grand Junction. We already voted to put cannabis taxes to use for parks and rec priorities. With the addition of a sales tax of 14 cents on $100, never on gas, groceries, or medicine, that goes away after 30 years, we will have a beautiful community facility at Matchett Park. This will kickstart development in that park, bringing us another gorgeous open space of fields and trails for community use. Maybe you or your loved ones can use the aquatic center, court spaces, indoor track, group exercise rooms, team hangout, childcare, or meeting rooms. Maybe you will enjoy increased property values as that space is developed. Maybe you will benefit from the economic growth that will come as businesses and, and individuals have more reason to move to the valley. Or maybe you will be happy knowing that your vote worked to bring access to health and connection to the people in your community. This is an opportunity to add one more thing to love about living here. Vote yes on 1A on April 4th, and let's all enjoy the benefits of a community recreation center in Grand Junction. Jolie Griffith, Grand Junction. Rec Center would make community better for all. Since moving to Grand Junction in the summer of 2019, I have heard from adults who grew up here, and current teenagers, that there needs to be more to do here. I agree. I am happy to have the opportunity to help solve this problem by voting yes for Ballot Measure 1A on the April 4th city ballot to fund a community recreation center that is long overdue. As the largest community on the western slope, the lack of a community recreation center is a glaring hole in our amenities that we can fix. Please look into the ballot measure, learn the facts behind the modest sales tax, and the fantastic plans to fulfill the promise of developing Matchett Park into a community asset. Then vote to make our community better for all ages. Steve Fox, Grand Junction. Lives Lived, Death Notices. Judith Ann Stearns Krim, 77, of Sun City, West Arizona, and a friend to many in Grand Junction, passed away on December 25th. She will be missed by many. Shirley B. Gerald, 88, of Grand Junction, passed away on March 6th at St. Mary's Hospital. She was a retired phone company clerk. Viewing will be at Callahan Edfest Mortuary on Friday, March 10th from 5 to 7 p.m., Memorial services at Grace Point Cemetery on Saturday, March 11th at 11 a.m. with burial to follow at Grand Junction Memorial Gardens. Jean Miller, 71, of Grand Junction, passed away March 6th at his home. He was a retired coal mining foreman. No services are planned at this time. Turning now to local sports... Four on the floor. Quartet of CMU wrestlers ready for the Nationals.
by Patty Arnold. Patty.Arnold at GJSentinel.com It's a good thing the NCAA Division II Men's Wrestling Championships are the same venue as last week's Women's National Tournament because assistant coach Donnie Negus left Colorado Mesa's scale in the U.S. Cellular Arena in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Actually, Negus left the scale there on purpose, as did a few other teams, because the men's teams would be returning in a few days. There was no reason to cart it home and then back again. One less thing for the women's team to bring back and us to take back there, said CMU coach Mike Mendoza, who on Wednesday was selected the RMAC Coach of the Year. Following his Region 6 Coach of the Year award, Negus is an assistant for both wrestling teams and made the quick turnaround trip with the men. The Mavericks qualified four wrestlers for this weekend's championship, three returning for a second straight year, two for whom placed in the top five. Redshirt sophomore Dawson Collins is seated at eighth at 125 pounds and will face either Zach Shoup of Newberry or Brady Carter of East Stroudsburg in the first round. His potential second round match is against top-seeded Cole Lea of West Liberty, who has won the past two national titles. Collins, a Grand Junction High School graduate, placed fifth last season to achieve All-America status. Dawson, what makes him great is he wrestles hard for seven minutes and just keeps going, Mendoza said. He's gritty and he doesn't give anything up. So when a guy sets, when a guy gets to his feet, he's bringing him back down. He doesn't let guys go and he's pretty active the whole time. Colin Metzger isn't seated at 133 pounds, but that doesn't mean he isn't dangerous. He faces St. Cloud State's Caleb Meekins to get into the main draw, where he would face number eight Dylan Lucas of Central Oklahoma. Somebody like Colin Metzger, I feel, should be seated, Mendoza said. I don't know exactly what the process is, but he's beaten the number three seed, the number six seed, and the number seven seed, and he lost to the eight seed, and he's lost to number one seed twice, the last time in overtime at the, at the regional finals, and the other time by one point. In the end, it doesn't matter what number is in front of your name. You've got to go and wrestle, and I truly believe Colin is a guy that could win at the tournament. Ryan Wheeler was third in the nation at 157 pounds last season and was this year's regional runner-up. That wasn't enough to earn him a top eight seed. In fact, he opens the he opens against second-seeded Nick Novak of St. Cloud State, who is 23-0. Wheeler earned the award for the most pins in the least amount of time during last year's national championship, but he's also improved his stamina this season to grind out matches. He's had to gut out some matches, which was good to see, Mendoza said. Early on, Though, before his shape came into play, going the distance was kind of where he struggled, but at the end of the year, going into the third period in overtime, I think it was a second tiebreaker in the regionals. He had to wrestle through that. That's a long match, and he's learned to grind them out toward the end, which is good, because you never know. 
Cash Anderson is making his first trip to the Nationals. He wrestled 285 last season and is back to a more natural weight at 197. Anderson placed third at the regionals and will open against Lake Erie's Brylan Klaus in a preliminary round match with number seven seed Joel Lice of Gannon awaiting the winner. Cash is a worker. You saw it last year, taking on bigger guys, how big his heart was and how much of a competitor he was, Mendoza said. Even when things were down, there's just no give up on him. He's coming on at the right time, and he's just gotten better and better throughout the season, and I think he's feeling pretty good right now. Metzger, Wheeler, and Anderson make the all-RMAC second team with Collins and Jason Bernowitz at 184, making the honorable mention team. Although his wrestlers might be considered underdogs, Mendoza isn't counting any of them out by any means. I think those guys, Metzger and Anderson, are coming in as underdogs that feel pretty good about it. They don't mind it, I don't think, just in the conversations I've had with them, he said. They may be two of the better underdogs that are going, and Wheeler as well. He's unseated as well and has the number two seed right off the bat, and that's okay. When you go there and are wanting to be on the podium, you've got to beat somebody. Sports Briefs from the Sentinel Staff and Wire Reports. Mesa's Arietta earns Aramacy honor. Maya Arietta hit 769 in three games last weekend for the Colorado Mesa University softball team and on Tuesday was selected the RMAC Player of the Week. Shortly after that award was announced, Arietta was selected as the National Division II Player of the Week by the National Fast Pitch Coaches Association, the fourth CMU player since 2018 to receive that award. The second baseman from Central High School scored 11 runs and drove in six in only 13 at-bats, collecting 10 hits in the sweep of Adams State. Two of the games were decided by the run-in rule after five innings. She had six extra base hits, including two home runs for CMU, 11-8, and 9-2 and in the RMAC, which plays at New Mexico Highlands this weekend. Thank you for joining us for the Grand Junction Daily Sentinel. My name is Ralph Towers. AINC presents your Low Vision Resource of the Day. Today we would like to highlight the Division of Vocational Rehabilitation. This organization helps individuals with disabilities prepare for, obtain, advance in, and maintain employment. Learn more by visiting www.colorado.gov slash pacific slash dvr slash services dash dvr or by calling 303-866-2500 or emailing cdle underscore voc dot rehab at state.co.us. If you enjoyed this program, 
please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303-786-7777. You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado.